Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time and she's Stacey Mitchell. We've got Nick behind the camera and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018, number 11 Remax team in the country. And we're going to talk about some interesting stuff today. A little less what's going on in the market and more this first story I find fascinating. I want to get your feedback on this. Uh, There was a Redfin survey, ladies, that got done that showed over one-third of U.S. home buyers are now buying homes in cash. But wait, there's more. I don't know how deep you went on this article. If you look at the greater Philadelphia area, obviously where we work, 40.9% of buyers are now paying cash in the month of April in the metro area. That was shocking to me. I've never seen that happen before. What's your take on this? And we can unpack what it all means. Yeah. So does that mean also like it's straight cash or that they waived the mortgage contingency? Okay. So it says all cash. This is what it, it, I mean, certainly... They could have waived the mortgage contingency. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're calculating the data because I, I, you bring up one of the interesting talking points here, Sarah. So way to uh, be ready to roll. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it it, it 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 says mortgaged home sales. So I'm imagining it's not a contingency. It's actually like, is there a mortgage recorded at the time of settlement? Gotcha. That That's my guess here from reading the article, but I could certainly be wrong. Yeah, I mean, if it is that... Um it really is that much just straight cash. That is more surprising to me than if it was, you know, waived um, waived mortgage mortgage contingency mm-hmm. or where they, like, are putting it forth as though it's a cash offer, but then really you get to the settlement table and part of it was was funded. Um, because, I mean, I know in the last couple months, I mean, I've both on the, uh, like, listing end of things and on the buy side of things put – deals together and accepted deals like that, but where there was some financing still going on. Mm-hmm. So, so it, the fact that if it's all just straight cash, that is um, a little bit surprising. It, it says share of mortgaged home sales on Redfin's website. So I'm going to imagine that they're looking at what actually gets recorded at the settlement table, not just if there's a contingency or not, because that doesn't really get recorded. Mortgages will. So right. th- that's my yeah, got it. Yeah. educated or not so educated guess here. So 37% of U.S. households no longer have a home mortgage to pay. Mm-hmm. That's pretty high. I mean, it's almost 40%. Um, and that being said, um, where was another stat that I saw? Um, they nearly have, homeowners have an average about $270,000 in equity mm-hmm. nationally. So they're big numbers. So I could see how people are paying cash. Um, personally, I've done numerous cash deals over, you know, the past couple of years. So it's, um, you know, when I first started asking people, are you financing or paying cash? I thought that was kind of a crazy question. You know, right. it's like, who the heck pays cash? But right, right. Then you realize, oh my gosh, there's people out here slinging around the dollars, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, there's different situations though. There are um, younger couples that are getting help by from their parents, so that could be a cash mm-hmm. deal. And then they, you know, work out a deal on the side to pay back their parents monthly or whatever that mm-hmm. would be. I had that situation happen. Um, and there's folks that are liquidating either stocks or other assets like that so that they can pay cash. So yeah. it's, to me, I was, 
I mean, it is kind of surprising when you think about it, but it's kind of common. Right. Or I guess like if you were downsizing and, Mm -hmm. you know, cashing out on the the big home and then not wanting to deal with the interest rates or anything like that and just putting it all right. Yeah. Well, if you look at, and and in this article, it brings up something really interesting about where rates are right now, and that's a factor here. But we talked about how baby boomers are now the most popular home buyer that's out there. They're they're the number one percentage of home buyers. Well, they got the most wealth, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think about those folks, if they own a home, they probably have a three or a four percent interest rate, right? Mm -hmm. Would you really want to go to a seven percent rate or just put the cash into the property and not have a payment? Now, they're also in non-earning years or there's less earning years left in their lifetime. So those folks actually may want to put the cash in there so they're not having this this payment that goes up and dealing with a refinance. And on top, Stacey, you mentioned you hit the nail on the head. I, th- I, I see a lot of people tapping into their parents. They're maybe having a personal loan at 5% with them mm-hmm. or some sort of relative. And, you know, people will do that. that that's more common than you think if there's family wealth. Um, you see gifted down payments or something something like that where they're lending the money to their, their kids or a family member to help them buy a home. And one, one of the challenges here is that I, I see people lose out the cash all the time. I mean, there, there's more cash mm-hmm. offers than ever before. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, the data tells us that. We're north of 40%. They also, for some reason on this metro um, analysis that Redfin did, Montgomery County's on there. It's the only county I saw. And um, in Montgomery County, it's 38.7%. So, I mean, we're, we're seeing that's kind of a, a, across the board here in the greater Philadelphia area. And I, I've never seen, I mean, you said it yourself, you thought the question was kind of nonsense or, mm-hmm. or, or something else. I've never seen this many cash offers before. And, and a lot of buyers, it's hard for them to compete. So they've got to look at other methods to do so. Um, so, so with that in mind, I mean, we know that we're, we're seeing that, that this heightened amount of, of cash offers is that forcing your clients to rethink their strategies when buying a home, whether they're selling a home and buying or just buying a home in general, because it's tough to beat cash in these competitive situations. Right. I mean, especially when then you're, if you're getting competitive with your offer, but uh, you know, when you're cash, you don't have to worry about an appraisal deficit. Mm -hmm. So just like going up doesn't mean better if you don't have the cash to, to cover in there. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think right now, if you do not have the the cash to put forward, it's a combination of finding properties that maybe have been on the market for not even a long time, but like, mm-hmm. you know, a week or two where maybe you're not up against another offer. Um, really, you know, kind of running the numbers, seeing where you feel comfortable with the monthly payment and what that translates into the offer and really kind of digging and I'm a big fan of if I have buyers, if there's ever a property that we're interested in, I am reaching out to that listing agent. I am trying to get any information that I can to be like, what is it What is it that they want? Because we all know that sometimes different terms can stick out and be more appealing than just, um, you know, the number that you're mm-hmm. offering. So any edge that we can get, um, you know, being aware of it. And if we can accommodate it, putting it in. I agree. Um the, the flip side of this is people that are coming in with cash, um, there is a strong belief that they have the edge. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So and they're, they're like, well, be a strong, I'm yeah. only going 10 grand over asking because we're paying cash. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always win. I've had two situations that I can think of that I had cash buyers and it did not get the deal. Right. Um, they were cash buyers and they wanted their inspections. Well, guess what? A financed offer with no inspections won the day. Yep. So... 
it doesn't always mean a win. Yeah. It certainly helps. Yeah. <laughs> if you have clients that are still willing to go the extra mile to secure the property. Right. Like if yeah. you are if you're doing all of the strongest terms and then you have cash on top of that, bingo. Awesome. But right. I mean, I would say if I'm if I'm reviewing offers um and giving my clients like the breakdown on the the list side of things mm-hmm. and somebody and you're looking at cash, but then you're looking at another offer where like the terms are far superior. Mm-hmm. I would break down to them like the advantages of of the other offer. Right. And and then I'm getting on the phone with the other offers uh, lender, lender <laughs> to right. find out how vetted the, his their clients are and, you know, can will this get to the finish line? Right. Because like if you can get and I mean, I know, you know, nobody can fully guarantee anything right. until it gets there. But like if everything is lined up and checked off and everything looks good. You're still, whether it's coming from them paying cash or um, the mortgage company paying you, you're getting your money as long as you can like vouch that it'll come through. Right. T- terms are, are a factor here. Right? I mean, I, I think th- there are people that think, oh, it's cash. I'm going to beat it. And then all of a sudden, like it, it's got to be significant. Like if it's mm-hmm. like a couple thousand bucks, they'll probably go with the cash offer because of the appraisal issue. Mm-hmm. But if you're, you can beat cash offers with a really great price or really great terms. That, that's a great point. What I'm also clear on is that, um, you know, you have to look at what is the financing look for these other folks that they're competing with. If they got a fully underwritten loan and maybe they're using someone like Tomo Mortgage who will rate waive the appraisal gap or they can eat the appraisal gap, you can still beat those, but you've got to be aggressive. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm shocked how many people are putting cash into properties right now. But when you think about it, Home buyers, they're weighing two two paths, right? They can use cash to pay for the home and avoid high uh, monthly interest payments, although rates did come down to about six and five eighths today, which is great news. Or they can take out a loan and pay a high mortgage rate. And for some of these people, it's the, the cost of it doesn't make sense. Uh, move up buyers, I would say they're probably going to deal with the payment. Mm-hmm. People that are downsizing probably don't want that risk because there's no guarantee rates come down. So it, it's... Yeah, and then you can get a home equity line if you really need to borrow against it, too. So there, there's ways to to deal with this stuff. Um, the, the other shocking part of this, despite all these people going cash, we also saw down payments shrink by 18% uh, in the month of April, and that was the second biggest drop since May of 2020, which was during the pandemic, so that's no surprise there. And the down payments have been sliding on an annual basis since November of last year. Is that something that has to do with the affordability issues we're seeing now um, and then we'll get into you know FHA loans and percentage of first-time home buyers in the month of April as well but that that's a big drop it probably has to do with the increased interest rates you know it just it does it it makes it less affordable um, as the rates increased so and where people maybe they had a certain amount of money allocated for a 20 percent deposit but then they have to make up an appraisal deficit mm-hmm. so they, that's a good point they eat into that and they're actually putting like 10 or you know 15 percent down instead of the 20 percent down so i've had folks that had to do that too um but they were able to get into the house and they planned on making up that other five percent quickly so they didn't have the pmi or could get rid of that quickly mm-hmm. um but yeah so that could have something to do with it why the down payments are shrinking interesting Right. Or like and, you know, just as, um, you know, the prices of homes continues to go up. So if this is what you had saved or set aside before and now you still want to get into that house and it's the price difference is there, it would shrink your, Mm -hmm. you know, 
even if you're putting the same amount down, it's the house is now more. Yeah. So here's the Philadelphia statistics for the Philadelphia metro area. And again, they have Montgomery County in here. This is so wild to me. So in Montgomery County, the average down payment was $66,000. That is uh, up 10% year over year um, in terms of the median down payment in, in dollars. And if you look at the uh, median down payment percentage is 20%. So I think that speaks to the strength of the suburban markets. Like if you don't if you don't put down twenty percent, people look at you like a leper almost. I mean, it, it it's it's a problem. Um, and then in Philadelphia, the number's a little different. This is for the Philadelphia metro area. It's twenty two two fifty is the median down payment. That's down twenty three point three percent year over year, and the average is eight point three percent in Philadelphia. But we know prices are lower there too, so I think that has something to do with it. Um, I, I I'm I'm in agreement with Stacy, and I think you guys are both right. One. There's just not they don't have much enough money saved up to 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 make these down payments. Two, we're seeing it decline because they're having to go higher on their price. So the fifty grand you budgeted last year may not go as far as the fifty grand this year or hundred grand or whatever the number is. And they're having to come up with money on these appraisal gaps. So have you seen as many appraisal gaps this year having to get paid? I think it's been a little less. Um, appra- I mean, a year or two years ago, appraisal. The deficit or, or the, the delta, the difference between the appraised price and the sale price was much wider because the comps couldn't keep up. I'm not seeing that as much this year. Right. Um, I would I would agree with that. I have had this year, I want to say three, that maybe the appraisal came in, um, came in too low. Okay. It wasn't by a crazy cr- – like we were still able to hold the deals together either by change adjusting the LTV or – or pooling, you Smart. know, having a little bit more cash in there to to make all of the numbers work. But um, so it's still it's still happening, but it's not necessarily by fifty thousand that it's off, you know, because that's scary when that happens. <laughs> we had um, an appraisal that was three hundred thousand dollars off. Well, that appraisal should be just have have their license. The appraiser should yeah. have their license suspended at that point. I mean, what yeah. happened? Well. Obviously, we ordered a second appraisal, and then it came in. It came in fine. Yeah, it I've had that happen fine. before. Yeah, three hundred thousand. Yes. Oh, where, where was the appraiser my. from? Like, was this person from I think Bluebell? Where was the house? Uh, it was in Westchester. So, there you go. I, th- I've seen that happen so many times, where they're not local. So right. a lot of lenders they try to source appraisers from the county. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've seen that happen a lot. Where I mean, we had, we had someone from Buffalo, New York, appraise a house. Yeah. I mean, we don't. We don't that's six hours yeah. away from here. I had the desktop appraiser from uh, Dallas, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. That was special. <laughs> Did it come in okay with the desktop appraiser? No, it came in seventeen thousand short. Yeah. I'm like. You, would, you don't even know our market. Right. And he would not budge because we asked for reconsideration. And that killed the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because my folks didn't want to go to another lender. Right. You know, and they were they were just kind of salty then because they figured, well, this house isn't worth it, which is not true. It's one person's opinion from Dallas, Texas. Right. That doesn't know our market. Right. But it's, sometimes it's hard to convey that information right. to, to buyers and help them understand that. Yeah. But usually if that happens, if the appraisal doesn't come in, it's. You know, we ask for the reconsideration. If we get shot down, then we order a second one. Got it. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. Yeah. So not surprising here with this uh, the, this down payment drop. The third part of this report, another surprising statistic, one in six, 16.4% of U.S. mortgage sales in April used an FHA loan, which is the highest share since February of 2020, just before the pandemic. And that's up 10.4% from this time last year, um, and it's the largest year-over-year gain on record. Mm-hmm. So 
What do you think about that? I've got a theory on this one, but I want to hear your reaction yeah. first. Got a theory. I think it's good news. Um, you know, there's people that probably couldn't purchase a conventional, so they're able to, you know, get into their homes. Yeah. I mean, I think um, absolutely. It's It gives people um, the opportunity to, mm-hmm. to get into some of these with the the way that this package is designed. Um, and as long as you can find a seller that is accepting those types of loans and if you can explain to them like why this isn't scary, <laughs> you know, right. Um, right. I think uh, the more information you give up front, uh, the better. And then everybody just kind of feels comfortable with it. And I think if, if people can utilize these loan programs and get into a home, it, their monthly payment's going to be less than rent, than mm-hmm. paying rent in our local area. Right. I, I can't speak for nationally, but for our local area, if you can get in, it, even with your taxes included and your insurance, mm-hmm. it's still going to be less than a rental payment, depending on the price point. Right. And I mean, and you can tell, like, oftentimes when you go into showings for some of these different, for these different homes, if, even if it says that they would accept an FHA, like, you know, are there any red flags? Is there anything that like is obviously going to be flagged? And is it something that we're not going to be able to, to get over that hurdle? Mm-hmm. So here's my theory on this. Let's just pull up the rate sheet here today. I want to, I want to do a comparison for everybody. So, uh, because typically, and you know, one of the things that I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised people don't utilize enough is um, PHFA, which we can, we can certainly talk about. But if you look at our rate sheet from last week, and this kind of goes up and down. So, on Friday, conventional loans were quoted at 6.875. That, and then that dropped a little bit today. Now we're at 6 and 5 eighths. FHA was 6.75%. So uh, now that also is usually at like a 20% down. If you go with a lower down payment option for a conventional loan, usually the rate goes up. Now this is just, this is a bank quoting that. Every bank's going to be different. The previous day on 6.8, FHA rates were higher. So I I think some of that has to do with the lower down payment sliding, number one. And secondly, if you time this right, sometimes it's better to go with an FHA loan from a rate perspective. Um, And usually people, if they're putting 3.5% down, they're they're probably on a tight budget to begin with. So that eighth of a point, that quarter of a point could be pretty dramatic for them. One thing, I, I just never get this. I mean, you look at uh, PHFA. So we work with uh, one of the lenders we work with, Mortgage America. They have a PHFA uh, first-time buyer program. 6.125% last week. I mean, that is a, that's almost a point less. And that's another thing that agents and, and, and consumers re- and probably mortgage lenders, too, need to do a better job educating people about because I don't think a lot of people know that until you tell it to them. I mean, what's your experience been with those? Yes. People don't know about the the loan options. They mm-hmm. really don't. And um, for the, and I mean, for the PHFA, like they don't require like a ton of additional time or a ton of like additional things <laughs> to pull mm-hmm. it together. You know, like I always make sure to, if that's the route that we're going to be going, I always call the lender <laughs> and say, hey, this is the settlement date that we are planning on putting in will that line up with the timeline, you know? And um, because I do always just like to confirm that in advance. But yeah, I mean, typically, I mean, I've had them done in four weeks. Mm -hmm. I was, um, I'm on the listing side and we got an offer and it was, they were fully underwritten Mm -hmm. FHA. So how did you, how did, how did your seller react to this? Forget you, because you know what you're doing. 
Um, Unlike most agents, you understand that fully underwritten is more valuable than anything else. So what, what, how, how did well, you? Well, I was excited when I saw yeah. it. Well, okay. so, <laughs> yeah. you, so you got it. How did I the seller it. react? Well, um, we talked about it initially before offers even came in about okay. what could potentially, you know, what I felt would, was going to be presented and, and possibly the type of buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had given her an overview of the different loan programs that we were going to be most likely reviewing. And and sure enough, this was one of those that came in, and we I'm, I was a little concerned about an inspection. Mm-hmm. I told her there might be things that might come up that the appraiser would find that has to be, you know, replaced or repaired. Um, and she was okay with it, especially because once she found out that it was they were already through that underwriting process, and you know, based it make sure making sure that the appraisal came in. Mm-hmm. on point and we didn't have to renegotiate mm-hmm. and that there wasn't any dramatic repairs that were flagged. So she was on board with it, but you have to sit down and explain all this to everyone. Right. The last so thing somebody it. wants is to feel like blindsided by right. did anything, did any repairs come up that yes, needed to be done? They did. Um, pretty minor. Yeah. So we were able to get a handyman to get them done um, and she was okay with it. And she just Guess took what? care of it and it wasn't like, because I know like what gets sticky there is, you know, Nobody wants to be putting money out to pay for something before they own the home. So, like, you can't just rely on the buyer to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And then the seller sometimes, yeah, getting them to, to mm-hmm. do it can be a little tricky. So, Well, we knew that the buyer was at the absolute top of their budget mm-hmm. and didn't have any extra funds. Yeah. And in order to get this done and get to closing on time, which they were even expediting the closing, um, it was like three and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. So... In order to get this done, these were the repairs that she was going to be required to do. And yeah. having it be an FHA, I had to explain to her that that appraiser, that appraisal, and those repairs are going to follow any future buyer. Mm-hmm. So she's going to have to do the repairs anyway. Yeah, it's basically what it was. Right. Um, so she agreed. But and I was I was for sure <laughs> convinced. I would have bet and lost big time. But I was convinced that it would not come in. At the value, yeah, of the purchase price, and it did. It oh, appraised, good. yeah, yeah. So that's good. So taking on, you know, she was happy. It was kind of like a twofold. She was happy with the appraised value, mm-hmm. um, but then she was kind of like, you know, uh, these repairs. But she reluctantly agreed to have them done, yeah, so that we could continue with the deal, yeah. Well, and, and I think w- what we want to sum up here, and we're going to take a quick break in a second, is that th- all, with all these things happening. The agent and the buyers should be talking to multiple lenders, not just one. You got to look at what all the products are because Mortgage America, for example, is the number one PHFA lender in the state, right? So a lot of people don't know about this because no one has this product. And there's people like Tomo who have this like 120-day rate lock and the appraisal gap coverage. Then you got your non-QM people and and all these different – and if you're not shopping around and knowing what's out there, especially how to compete with cash, how to deal with all this stuff – you're going to be operating at a disadvantage. So that that's where the you know a smart agent is making those introductions and a savvy buyer is having those conversations. I think that that that's the biggest takeaway from this article here and if you don't you can't explain this stuff as an agent, you're in some trouble because there are people that can and they're going to take your clients from you. Mm-hmm. I mean because if if someone gave you this advice and your other agent didn't tell you, we're, we we've all gone through this recently. I didn't know that from my other agent. Well, guess what? That other agent probably just lost a client. So it's the, the self-education here on what's happening, super, super critical. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We are going to talk about the, the, the question at hand is, is it harder selling homes right now? And then we've got Sarah's good friend, 
Cat Donald from the Hamptons. So if you ever watched, uh, I forget the show's name, Summer House, you know, you know up in uh, <laughs> Hampton, uh, Long Island. Very cool. She's going to talk to us about a summer vacation market, what it's like up there, which I'm kind of curious about because I know we see seasonality and theirs is much different. So we'll break that all down on the next couple segments of Tool Time Real Estate Radio. We'll be right back on WWDB 860 AM. For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX main line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's TomTool.com. Sell your home for more and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Time, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Main Line, along with Nick behind the camera, the number one real estate team in Pennsylvania for Remax since 2018, number 11 Remax team in the country, and we're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group and make sure to subscribe. So we've got a killer guest coming on shortly here. I'll let Sarah do all the introductions. Her name is uh, Kat Donald. She works up in the Hamptons as a fellow real estate agent. We're going to talk to her about summer selling, how to deal with seasonality, all those sort of things. But first, I found this article on uh, on Real Trends, uh, and I, I found it pretty interesting. I, I want to ask you the question. The article was okay. I thought it had some nice stuff in there. But, you know, this year has been an interesting year. We've seen people drop out of the business. They're projected 250,000 agents are going to be out of the business this year. 
just to give you a, it doesn't may not sound like a lot or it may sound like a ton. At the beginning of the year, there was 1.6 million. So we'll do the math here. That's a 15.6% decrease of agents. So yeah. that's happening. We see people jump from company to company all the time, looking for something that's going to end up working for them better. And it begs the question of why does selling real estate seem so much harder now than it has in years past? So what do you two think about this? Because you guys are both having amazing years. Um, Sarah, you're, I think you've already surpassed your year from last year, right? Ooh. So, which is amazing. I almost cursed on the radio. I was so excited <laughs> about that, literally. Um, and Stacy, you're on, you're on track for another monster year where, you know, we're projecting 50, 60 transactions, probably even more than that, depending on how the second half goes. So I know you're selling a lot of real estate, but does it seem harder to sell real estate in 2023? It's I, always hard. To right. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's funny because we'll talk about these different times like, oh, when people were just lining up and all you had to do was write the offer. And like, I didn't experience that. Like there were I've always had to, like, you know, guide my people through mm-hmm. through everything and then hash out different details. And like, I mean, every once in a while, yes, there's like a right place, right time type of scenario. But for the most part, I've never found it to just be easy. Like you have to you always have to do the work. Um, so honestly, like right now, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it's any more difficult. Um, I think it's just spending the time on things that will work. I like that. That's smart. Yeah. Hanging out with me too much there, which, which is okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's the commitment to the, um, I guess the tasks that are going to make you money. Right. That people might not find uh, glamorous or whatever, you know, right. people like some parts of, of selling or, or in real estate, yeah. like showing beautiful homes. Mm-hmm. Well, not always do we show beautiful homes. <laughs> right. Right. Nope. I mean, sometimes not I'm in close. my sneakers tromping around, you know, a hoarder house or oh, something. Yeah. Um, that happens frequently. Yeah. And you're like <laughs> yes. holding your breath, you yeah. know? Uh, so it's not glamorous like they right. portray on all these shows on tv you know right. what i mean um so i think people get into it with with that they get into it with like rose colored glasses um thinking they're just gonna open doors and write offers and and the thing even if you even if clients are lining up mm-hmm. and you're writing offers mo- most of the time it's multiple offer situations right the percentage of you winning you know getting that winning offer yeah. are are de- well depends on how many offers are in right there could be 10 right 15. Well, and I think that, like, the longer that we both have been in this, you know, even if it is a shifting market, we've now been through so many different scenarios and transactions that we have different ideas of what can still pull it through or get it done that maybe you wouldn't, even if it was an easier market before, but you were less experienced, maybe you wouldn't know to, like, oh, well, I've had this worked for me before Mm -hmm. or, like, I've had, you know, somebody's presented an offer to me this way before and that really stood out to me. So, um kind of getting better as as time goes on, like obviously only helps you as you're like out there and like in those transactions. I think trying to make sure to properly qualify the people like early on just so that your expectation isn't that, oh, this is a hot buyer that's ready to go mm-hmm. when really they're nowhere near there. And then you get frustrated because you're sending them all these perfect properties, but like you're not getting the reaction that you were hoping for. Well, mm-hmm. maybe they're not that far along. Um, and then I think also you know, just continuing to to follow up with people and for people that you do feel like are on the site and are getting somewhere, taking a couple minutes, just hopping on like the hot sheet in like the morning, you know, and just like 
is there anything that's just popped up or just came back to market or like what can I just like mm-hmm. put in front of them? And I like to do those sometimes just as like a text so that it's not as like formal as because your your emails are still going out and everything. But just like, hey, this one jumped out at me for you. You know, it takes like a minute and I get better responses with that than see what you're saying. That's being very proactive. Yeah. I'm sure there's some agents that aren't as proactive. Mm-hmm. They're waiting for their clients to bring them the house. Hey, knock, knock. Can I see this home this weekend? Right. Or you're actually providing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're on top of it. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be a factor too. Yeah. I think that also, I mean, we have the benefit of being on a team. Mm-hmm. So we can, if there's a situation that comes up at any time, we can ask people. We, oh, yeah. We can get advice. Uh, we're not out there by ourselves on the island. Right. You know, just hoping that this is right and this this is going to be good. And, right. you know, we can sound off, you know, we can ask Tom about offers. and Right. And I have zero shame calling <laughs> different agents on the team or yep. Tom or Brian or anyone being like, yeah, how should I handle this? You yes. know, like I in no way think that I know everything. <laughs> so like, and even if I ultimately, that was what I was going to do, having somebody else tell you like the yes, backup, that's yes. the proper way to move forward. And then you feel comfortable, like confident about how you're proceeding. And then you can project that and then everybody feels good. <laughs> yes. And that's the benefit of having a team. So if some people are out there are just solo agent, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it, you could be doing things over and over again mm-hmm. and it's not the best Right. So, and you're thinking, I am doing everything. I'm trying so hard. And right. you just get frustrated and give up, you right. know, instead of um, getting some good coaching or getting some good sound advice right. so that you can actually have some success. Yeah, for sure. You guys broke that down beautifully. Um, and what, what's, what's exciting to me just from working, getting to work with you both on, on a very regular basis for a long time is you're doing the stuff that's going to be recession proof right? Like nurturing clients, that always works because most people just don't buy a house right away. Um, And when you look at this article, I thought this article was kind of trash, if you want to know the truth. Um, I mean, they talk about purchases by investors have dropped 50% year over year in 2023, according to Redfin. I don't like working with investing clients. I I find them to be disloyal. They don't really care about the agent. I mean, how much success have you two had working with investors? Not much, but um, there's a couple... But you're if right, they have a different not, strategy, it depends yeah. on their strategy, right? Yeah. So, but they're not loyal. Then mm-hmm. there's 34% of uh, buyers are first-time buyers, and many of them uh, either no longer qualify or have chosen to step away from the market. I see that as an opportunity because these people were shut out from the market, and rental prices are just as high as 7% mortgage rates. Philadelphia was just rated one of four major cities where it's cheaper to buy than rent right now in the whole country. So I don't, I don't agree with that, and. The thing you mentioned, Sarah, specifically, like I don't remember these people just coming up and buying houses. Right. Here's what happened. A, a lot of people think it was easy because they were they, they were taking waiting for a waterfall of leads to come in and working none of them. Mm-hmm. Your mythology uh, or method methodology, excuse me, um, is the pestis. What, what I always get this wrong. The pestis, right? The, which is the best <laughs> pest. Yeah, I know that. It's like it's like a Dr. Seuss book almost. I, I know what you're talking about. Um, the, but you follow up with people until they buy or, or they don't. And that is going to work in any market instead of just trying to catch the ones that want to go look at a house. Because those clients, if you're getting them right at the decision-making process, sometimes they're more difficult than the people you nurture and build a relationship with. Because they don't listen to you. They're going to they're gonna do it their way. Or they, they're like, oh, well, you're really lucky you got in touch with me because I'm not that much work, even though they've been looking for a while. So mm-hmm. that's not a sustainable business model. And 
one in five agents have sold a home in a market like this. And, and I look at the listing side, right? That's where I, I did that for years. Getting listings is really hard. It's hard in any market. It's competitive. And so I, I don't know that it's that much harder. I think it's the folks that we're used to. I'm going to work all the time and just take anything that comes in. I'm not going to follow up with anybody. It's harder for them because they don't have the skills necessary to succeed in a market like this. That, that, that's my take on this. You talked about some of the follow-up, Stacey. Like, you know, a lot of people, their, their follow-up is, I'm going to put you on an MLS search, call me. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that, right. that doesn't work. And people don't know what they want. So, Well, because then half the time, too, like, if your search wasn't right, and then you're not talking to them, and then you're just seeing that they are going into the search, but maybe, like, they're getting super frustrated because they're like, why do you keep sending me the wrong thing? I told right. you I don't want this, you know? <laughs> so, um, And people's, um, if it's somebody that you've had on you know, an e-alert or something for a while. Needs change, like circumstances change. Even if that was right a year ago, it might not be today. Mm-hmm. Right. So just like knowing what's going on mm-hmm. is kind of important. It's very important. That's well, why keeping in touch is is really important. Well, the, the NAR numbers are this, and, and this is why there's such a high failure rate in real estate, is that the average realtor files up 2.7 times. Every sales trainer out there, the conversion happens what? Six, seven, eight, nine attempts. And there's no better call than, hey, Stacy, hey, Sarah, you guys have been following up with me forever. We're ready to list. You know, and that, but that's all the work you put oh, in. That's the best. Well, but when that <laughs> happens, it's like, it sounds like it's easy to get them. Right. You, but you no, earned yes. it with follow up. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that's, that's what people don't want to do. They don't want to pick up the phone. They don't want to nurture people long term. And that's the game right now. So, uh, you know, th- this article, it's, th- they're, they're talking about market conditions. There's still going to be four to four and a half million homes that sell. That's eight to nine million sides. Plenty of real estate for everyone to sell. I, you know, it, and especially if some people drop out. Yeah. Well, if you see a 15% decline, right? And then yeah. the average realtor sells six homes a year on a good day. There's a lot of business out there for a lot of people that are ready to work. And that, that, and what's working right now, Jeff May says is our coach. What's working right now is working. Yeah. Just show up and work. It's not that hard. And if you don't do that, you're going to be looking for something else or try to find more opportunities or an easier way to do things. Or I, I don't want to make phone calls. Like it's just, I hear this stuff all the time. It's the same excuses no matter what. So I don't think it's harder right now. I think it's easier for people that are working hard like you because you're not having to compete with 30 offers. Maybe you're only competing with five. A little easier to win in that scenario. Mm -hmm. Better percentage. (laughs) Yep. All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We have... You want to introduce her? Yep. We've got Caroline Donald. Um, This is one of my best friends. uh, She's a real estate agent up in East Hampton, New York. All right. We'll be right back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. 
Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's tomtoolwithane.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. You shouldn't have to deal with all the red tape when getting your mortgage from a big or online bank. At Mortgage America, we have access to big bank money, but with the personalized and detailed service of a local bank. We are here in your community and ready to serve with fast settlements, low down payment options, and first-time homebuyer programs. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. For more information, visit our website at my mortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time and she's Stacy Mitchell. We've got Nick behind the camera and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in pennsylvania since 2018 number 11 in the country and we've got a special guest on right now sarah timon's good friend caroline donald you're up in the hamptons caroline i heard you go by cat i'll let sarah introduce you but we're excited (laughs) to have you come on here and talk about what it's like in a vacation sort of secondary home market yeah thank you so much for having me um you guys can hear me good you're good to go perfect it's my first time on a radio show so thank you for uh (laughs) checking that that uh bucket list for me um (laughs) yeah so thanks for having me guys awesome so you are you're up in east hampton and now is your i guess in terms of area that you cover is it are you mainly montauk are you all of the hamptons like what does the what does that coverage look like so generally um we cover from southampton east which would be southampton Watermill, Sagaponic, Wayne Scott, Bridgehampton, Sag Harbor, East Hampton, Montauk. Um, my team specifically focuses more uh, Sag Harbor, East Hampton, Montauk area. It's just kind of our bread and butter. It's where we we know it the best, where we grew up. Um, that being said, we you know we can kind of go as far as Southampton. We can go further if we'd like, but that's as far as we want to drive in the summer. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So you definitely have a lot more seasonality up there um than we do here um i guess how has that been going this year uh what kind of like trends are you noticing so it's been really interesting actually um the seasonality thing kind of went out the window when COVID hit for a brief time because everyone was trying to get out of the city so there was a mad scramble to buy up houses out here um which it was hectic and things were going way overpriced um it's now we're kind of just winding down rental season i mean it's we still have people that are looking but um and it's been really interesting because rentals have been significantly down this year um Hmm. so what we anticipate is 
coming into this fall, a lot of people who bought their homes with, you know, you can rent your house out here for, I'm talking, you know, a four bedroom with a pool, $50,000, $60,000 for a month. So a lot of people bought these houses thinking, it's fine, I'll rent my house, I'll pay my mortgage, I don't have to worry about it. Uh, a lot of people are having trouble renting their houses this year, um, for whatever reason. I mean, it's, there's a lot of, I think a lot of people are just, I don't want to say getting over the Hamptons, but not coming out for these long stretches of time, Memorial Day to Labor Day, even, you know, full months, we're seeing a lot more shorter term rentals. Um, so I, I mean, the hope is that we're going to see a, a huge increase in um, inventory come this fall and winter, because that's been a big problem as of late, just there's, there's no houses for sale. Yeah. So like rental, like there, you've got options if you're looking to come out and rent. But if you're trying to buy out there right now, inventory is super tight. Yeah, it, inventory is tight. And what is on the market is just so overpriced. Um, mm-hmm. I think buyers have a lot more patience now and they know that things are overpriced. So they are pulling back. And um, for example, I had a house that I listed in November, just went into contract about two weeks ago. And it went into contract for $500,000 less than we listed it for in November. Um, and that's because it was listed for about $500,000 more than it should have been. Um, so, you know, you, you can work with these buyers and you can really, I mean, these sellers and explain to them, this is, these are the market comparatives. This is what we think your house should be listed at. Um, but ultimately it's their decision. And when you get to that sweet spot, it, you know, we got a cash offer and we had multiple you know, multiple offers on the table when it was priced properly. Um, so I think that that's one of the main, I'd say inventory is definitely down right now, but um, things are just still not priced. They're still taking, there's still COVID pricing, if you will. Everyone right. is still has this crazy, crazy, um, you know, mentality that everyone's dying to get out of the city and buy a home out here. And it's not really like that anymore. Right. One, I guess if, I mean, I don't know if this would have anything to do with it or not, but um, now that, you know, you're able to travel internationally a lot more and like go other places, mm-hmm. maybe people that for like a chunk there where you really couldn't move around as much and would have been like, yes, Hamptons all summer. I can't get on a plane. I can't go anywhere else. Maybe now after a couple of years of that, they're ready to go do the trips other places. Um, Absolutely. So interesting. I mean, you can, the, the thing too is like you, you can go on a really nice three-week vacation to Europe for what it's going to cost you to rent that house out here for three weeks. Um, So less, probably half. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think that, you know, the Hamptons is crowded in the summer. It's hard to get a reservation at restaurants. It's hard to, you know, go places. So I think people are also taking that into consideration. And do I really want to spend two months out there where I, you know, have to make all my my dinner reservations weeks in advance. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's a crowded, it's becoming pretty crowded out here in the summer. Yeah. So being in a, in a secondary home market, I mean, it, I mean, obviously people live there year round. I, I know mm-hmm. we're really big on here. Like we, we, we see 60% of our business get booked before June 30th. We've been talking about this for months at, at, at our team. Cause we're in a Metro area. People live here year round. Yep. Do you have to run your year a little differently? Do you have a different approach to business planning? Because you're in the Northeast, so it's very similar that way. But it's, you know, it's not like you're right outside New York City where people are living year round. Um, it, it, there's a little bit more of a seasonality. How, how do you go about that, or is it, or is it, or is it the same? 
You know, it's interesting. I mean, I think um, a lot of our real estate agents business out here is summer rentals. Um, so I'd say, you know, come January, that's really what we shift to focus on. Um, obviously, there are buyers that still come out, people that want to sell their house. But I think, you know, January to about April, it's just, it's a lot of rentals. Um, that's usually what we prioritize. We, you know, we have, we have our exclusive rentals, which are the houses that, you know, we are the broker for the owner. It's, we're talking 250 grand for the summer, things of that nature, um, you know, where we really start marketing them and just shooting them out to our clients. And, um, and then we have our open listings, which are just other homes that we've taken on, taken on. We don't necessarily get as big a piece of the pie there, but, um, so I'd say we really focus on, you know, we're, we're always focused on getting listings. I mean, that's the number one thing Smart. we're always trying to do. But um, as far as kind of our business plan, I'd say now that we're coming into summer, we're going to start shifting more of our attention to just, you know, reaching out to those people that maybe didn't rent their house this summer, or maybe they had to take, you know, a $30,000 cut on their July price or whatever the case might be. Oh yeah. Say, Hey, mm. how are you feeling? You know, what are you thinking in terms of, you know, are you thinking of renting again next year? Are you thinking of maybe selling? So, um, you know, I think as summer, you know, now that we're getting into summer rentals are pretty much done. Um, although I have two people coming out looking for a July 1st rental, <laughs> Um, this weekend, I'm like, wait to leave it to the last minute. Yeah. Um, well, maybe they get a better deal. You yeah. never know. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, well, that's the other thing that we have. Rentals are probably about. Hold on, my dog just pushed the door open. Um, <laughs> rentals are about uh, 30, 40 percent less than list price right now. You wow. know, going into July and even August, just because they're they are down quite a bit. Um, so renters have gotten more savvy buyers have gotten more savvy in terms of just waiting and being patient and then um you know putting in the sweet offer and, and getting what they want yeah so, so we, we sell two hundred fifty thousand dollar homes down here just to be very clear right. so it's uh we would be if we were to show about our team it'd be the quarter million dollar listing show so that's uh that, that's pretty amazing you deal on that price point go ahead sarah so would you say our most um as you're kind of lining up your year here do you circle back to like all of the people that you got rentals for last year and basically just say like, all right, let's secure, let's secure your spot for, uh, for this upcoming summer or how do you kind of go about finding people or do they mostly contact you? Depends. Um, I have a number of clients that I put in rentals last year that I refused to work with again, to be honest, <laughs> because they were such pains in the butt um <laughs> you yes those bigger ones that you secured your their rental february march you're reaching out to them after the summer how were things what are mm -hmm. you thinking for next year do you like that area um a lot of it is just income you know i work on a, a team i work on a pretty you know we there's four of us and we um they've been in the business for 10 15 years so we have a pretty established team um and a lot of it is just incoming requests. Um, we, I, I help another team also with some rentals and I'd say 50% of the showings I do are for exclusive properties that are under like my team. We, we rep those properties as opposed to just clients that are, or people that are coming out saying, find me a rental. Yeah. Um, and you get, you get business that way too. Someone reaches out to you about a house that, you know, you're the broker on, they say, 
oh, actually, it's not going to work, have anything else. And that's when you kind of say, oh, let me pull a list of what's out there. And you kind of, you know, and then inherit them uh, as your client. And then I guess, so if, let's say somebody's spending $250,000 for this rental. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we have a, a pre-qualifying process here. Like, I'm assuming these people aren't financing that. Like, they're probably paying cash. Yeah, so... Um, the so do you, like, look at bank usually, statements? You don't. I mean, generally, you kind of... You kind of get an idea of the people when you're showing the houses, number one. I mean, if I take someone to a, a rental that's 250 grand for two months, you can tell right off the bat, depending on what kind of car they drive up in, how they're carrying themselves, and you find a little bit more about them who's going to be renting the house. So, you know, you say don't judge a book by its cover, but at the same time, it helps a little bit. Um, and and then it's just their half of it's due on lease signing, and the other half is usually due you know, month and a half prior to moving in. and Oh, so yeah, it's all paid up before they're in there. Yeah, yeah so they, they'll pay before they even get in the house. Usually mm-hmm. about a month before they'll get in the house is how the leases are usually structured. So I love what Kat said there, that she's not overqualifying people before she meets them, because that's one of the biggest, and we talk about this all the time, where, you know, you go on a date with somebody, right? You're not asking them how much money they make on the first date. And I think agents like they, mm-hmm. I mean, dealing with sales, it's the, the question, are you pre-approved, is probably one of the worst questions you can ask somebody. It's so aggressive, yeah, almost belligerent, a, a, instead of, you know, hey, is this cash or finance or whatever else is going to work. So, Kat, where can people follow you here? I mean, if, if people want to get in touch, what's the best way to do it? Is there a website, uh, social media? You yeah, tell us. absolutely. So um, I'm on the Burns team at Compass. Our website is, I'm just going to make sure I'm getting it right, it's Burns Compass. Um, so BurnsCompass.com is our website. Uh, we have an Instagram, under, uh, Burns underscore Compass. Um, check us out. We, I work with three brothers, two are twins. They are my best friend from Holmes brothers. So I've known them since, you know, we were three and four years old. Um, but we, we all grew up out here, which is kind of something we try to set ourselves apart from a lot of the other agents who have migrated from New York City. I mean, we know the ins and outs. We know the schools. We know the secret beaches. And we know, you know, we know, we know it out here. And that's how we try to differentiate ourselves from the other agents because it's a super crowded market. So it is hard to get new business. Right. Well, and you can certainly bring a lot of value by bringing all of that stuff into it and not just like, well, I ran the comps. <laughs> like, you can absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely and that's i mean i think that that's my biggest um I, I came from working in you know client services in the finance industry for 10 12 years and i i like to say i'm good with i'm good with people i can have a conversation with a brick wall um <laughs> so you know whenever i am showing a house whether it be for a rental or you know for sale whatever i always try to add in a little like oh yeah i grew up around the corner or oh my best friend lived next door some kind of like personal touch that they're like oh she does know the area well so um just to set myself apart all right, so you can follow Kat at Burns underscore Compass. That's the best place to get in touch with her, especially if you're looking to go up to the Hamptons and buy a house for a two-month rental. I don't know if a lot of people could do that from down here, but that's exciting. Kat, great having you on. Very insightful. Thanks for showing up. Uh, you can follow Sarah. She's at Ty underscore Ty Time. You can follow Stacy at the number two Mitchco. That's all on Instagram. You can follow me at TomTool3RD. And we'll be streaming live every single week. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. We'll see you next Tuesday at 3 o'clock on WWDB 860 AM.